The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Primarily, I didn't give you a, a handout because I only have one point. And my one point is the title of the message. My whole point is God is not finished with me or you yet. Take your Bibles. Let's turn to, turn with me to Acts chapter 15. I'm going to read some scriptures here. In Acts chapter 15. <clears throat> now, I'm going to read some scriptures here that pertain to Paul uh, and Barnabas' second miss, missionary journey. And before I read this scripture... Paul and, and, and Barnabas had a bit of a falling out in this passage of Scripture over Mark. And Mark was, was uh, one of their, their um, helpers, if you will, one of their associate pastors, you might say, who had, had uh, forsaken them and abandoned them in the middle of a missionary journey. Paul no longer trusted Mark, but Barnabas wanted to try to bring Mark along and bring him back. So let's look together at chapter 15 and begin at verse 36. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder, one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, there was quite a contention there. It was so severe that Paul and Barnabas parted ways. They, they left. They split up. So I would have to assume that for Paul to take such a firm position on this, that Mark must have truly, truly forsaken Paul. And he must have hurt Paul in a very deep way. So much so that they part ways, and interesting enough, we never hear of Barnabas again. No more in Scripture do you read about Barnabas. So, I don't know what direction Barnabas took from there, but we no longer hear of Barnabas. But now I'd like you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, please. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm only going to read one verse here. And that's verse number 11. Look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 11. We read here, this, this is Paul writing, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark. Mark, there he is. Take Mark and bring him with thee. 
for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Now, let's pray before we go any further. Father, we thank you for your word, which we have the privilege today of preaching and studying and reading. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that only those things that need to be said today will be said. I praise you, Lord, for the grace and mercy you give us. And I pray that you would use this time to strengthen your children. Thank you for these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Mark left with Barnabas. We don't hear any more about Barnabas. But interestingly enough, we do see here that Paul desired Mark to come with him and be with him. Now that's interesting to me. The thing that draws my attention is the period of time between when Mark fell away from Paul to the time when Paul brought him back. That span of time which... The Bible doesn't tell us what happened, so the best we can do is use our imaginations, which is dangerous. But we do know this, that between those times, Mark was out of the picture. This morning, I would like for you to consider in your own life the will of God. I've been in the ministry nearly 37 years, teaching and preaching and running Sunday school classes and bus routes and leading music in church. And and in all those years, the, the one question I am asked more often than any other question revolves around the will of God. That is the one thing that Most believers just can't seem to wrap their minds around the will of God. And and this, this tends to cause us to imagine many things. Well, you know, uh, what, how do I know the will of God? How am I, how can I be sure about God's will for me? And what do I do to make sure I stay in the will of God? And, and all these questions (coughs) come along. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Let's go to Matthew. Now, no scriptures are going to be projected on the screen today. You're going to have to turn to every one of them. I told you, this is old school. This is the way we used to do it. Matthew chapter 6. Now here, we're we're going to see that the Lord is going to teach his disciples how to pray. His disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray the way that John taught his disciples. And look at verse number 9 with me, Matthew chapter 6. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is a prayer we all learn when we were, when, from the time we were small children. We all learn the Lord's Prayer, although it's not a prayer Jesus ever prayed. It's a model prayer. It's, a, it's, it's, it's his instruction to his, his disciples on how to approach the God, God and how to pray. So, 
When Jesus stated, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, this is not a petition for God's will to be done on earth. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not praying that God's will would be done on earth. As if anything, as if anything could prevent the will of God from being done. Nothing can prevent God's will. God's will, both, both his open will, that which he reveals to us in scripture, and his secret will, that which only he knows pertaining to you and I, both his open will and his secret will cannot be hindered and cannot be defeated by the efforts of any man or by the circumstances surrounding anything in life. God's will shall be done. Amen? Let's understand that right now. Nothing, no one is going to hinder or detain the will of God. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11, we read, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God is the sovereign creator and the sovereign ruler of all things. And as such, God's will is sovereign and God's will is supreme above all things. It's a foolish man that thinks that he can in any way resist or alter God's sovereign will. And further, we need to understand concerning the will of God that it does not change. God's will, which was established in eternity past, will be unchanged into eternity future. Turn with me to Romans chapter 11. Now, here, herein lies the great journey through the Word of God. We're going to start turning to a lot of scriptures. Romans chapter 11. And when we get there, let's start at verse number 25. We read here, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become. So what he's saying here is that Israel, because of their rejection of the Lord, has become blinded to spiritual truth. And that is going to continue, the Lord said, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Okay, verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Sion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, 
but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For the gifts, look at verse 29, for the gifts and calling of God are without, what's that next word? Without repentance. God's word does not change. God's will does not change. God's purpose does not change. Here we see the determinate will of God to save his people Israel. And we see that his determinate will is without repentance. Despite their rebellion. Despite their rejection of him. His will cannot be changed. So we see that God has a sovereign and determined will. Now, I want you to see today how you and I fit into this equation. Remember, I talked about Mark. And Mark had fallen away and we, he goes off the map, so to speak, for a while and then and then the Lord brings him back. And the reason all that happened is because God was not finished with him yet. I don't know what Mark did in those dark years. I don't know where he went, what, what happened. But all I know is that God's will for him was to come back and be with Paul. And God was not finished with him yet. And Mark became useful again to God and to the Apostle Paul. How do we fit into this, into this will of God? Well, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And let's look at verse number 8. Paul writes here, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now I want you to focus in on this now. Look at verse 9 carefully. He called us and he saved us not according to our works. Or not according to our abilities. Or not because he saw anything in us that caused him to believe we're worthy of salvation. But according to his own purpose and his own grace. You were called and you were saved according to God's purpose. Now, what a, look, look carefully what he says next. His own purpose and grace, which, which was given us in Christ Jesus, when? Before the world began. That means in eternity past, God purposed to save you. And in eternity past, he established a purpose and a will for you. 
Isn't that what that says? Is everybody awake? I don't have any points for you to pay attention to, so you might drift off on me here. You gotta follow me. I'm laying, I'm laying a groundwork here. We were saved according to God's purpose. Not to do as we wish. Not to fulfill our own agenda. You listen to me. As you sit here this morning, if you are truly a child of God, your life is not your own. You don't have a right to decide what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. You can say that all you want, but that's not true. Your life is God's. It belongs to Him. And He has a purpose. And He has a will for you. And God's will cannot be defeated. It cannot be be cast aside. It shall be. Remember, we were dead in trespasses and sin. We were made alive by the will and grace of God. In first, I'm sorry, in John chapter 1, we read, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, <laughs> even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God's will. God's purpose, God's plan. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, <coughs> wherein in time past ye, work, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation <coughs> in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You and I were dead in trespasses and sin. Dead. Now, what does it mean to be dead? It means to be dead. It doesn't mean to be in the dark. It doesn't mean to to have a a root of goodness inside of you that's going to spring forth in the light of God. It means dead. No life. No hope. Dead. And God quickened us and made us alive. But he did so with a purpose. He did so to fulfill his will. The will of God. When God called us out of death and into his grace and eternal life, it was for a purpose. He has a will. He has a will for your life. He has a purpose. Do you remember how focused you were on God and his will that moment you first believed? You remember that? How it seemed like nothing could detract you from God? You couldn't get enough of reading the scripture. You, you thought about God all the time. and He was in your heart and you were just so thrilled and so elated. So what happened? Well, life happened. Life. Jobs. Marriage. Children. Debts. Sickness. People. Life. 
And before long, the cares of this world burdened our hearts and minds. And we began to wander away from seeking and focusing on God's will and God's purpose for our lives. And on our part, we begin to think that God has given up on us. Just like Mark. I'm sure Mark must have felt like, when Paul refused to allow Mark to be a part of his work, I'm sure Mark must have felt like, well, that's it. I've blown it. God, had, God wants nothing to do with me now. Hmm? You ever feel that way? Am I the only one that's ever felt that way? No, we all feel that way. We all come to a point in our life where we feel like, well, God could not possibly love me anymore. He couldn't possibly, he couldn't possibly want to use me. He couldn't possibly be concerned about me. We all get there. And if, if you say you don't, as James said, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. But only because we have failed him do we feel that way. But God is not finished with us yet. Turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. Let's all go to Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. And we'll begin reading in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, we all know this story, right? We know this story well. God came to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to get up and go to Nineveh. I want you to preach against that city. I want you to tell them, repent, or I will destroy you. That's what God wanted Jonah to do. Now, let me ask you a question. Is Jonah mentioned anywhere in Scripture before this? Do we see Jonah as a great prophet of God before this? And after this is all over and done, other than the Lord referencing him, do we ever hear from him again? Do we see anything else about him? So I think it's safe for us to assume God's will for Jonah was to go to Nineveh and preach. Amen? And that was a unique will. It was specific to him. God came to Jonah at the, at the time that God determined and told him, get up and go to Nineveh and preach. But what did he do? Well, look at verse 4, uh, or verse 3. But he rose up to flee. You want, God called Jonah to this task. It was his will for Jonah. It was Jonah's task. But Jonah attempted to change God's plan. Jonah attempted to run from the will of God. He, he attempted to go the other way. If you look on a map, Tarshish is exactly the opposite direction from Nineveh. Tarshish was in the south of Spain. Nineveh is in Turkey. Turkey, Spain, Turkey, Spain. Jonah was going the wrong way to get to Nineveh, wasn't he? That's because he wasn't going to Nineveh. He was rebelling against the will of God. He was going the other way. But God was not finished with Jonah yet. 
Verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Jonah said, Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go this way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over here. Lord, I'm not going over there. I'm going this way. And I'm going to get so far away, Lord, you're going to give up on asking me to go to Nineveh. You're going to give up on that idea. You're going to get someone else to go do that work because I'm not going to do it. God said, oh, really now? You know, well, don't let me get ahead of myself. God put a storm right in Jonah's path. And that storm got worse and worse and worse and worse. See, Jonah thought he could get far enough away from God, but he couldn't. And then we, we look over here. Uh, I lost my place. Oh, here it is. Verse 15. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now look at verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You see those words, God had prepared a great fish. Jonah was trying to get as far away from God as he could. You know, I, 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 I believe God had prepared. Listen, God didn't just snap his finger and a big old fish appeared. He could have. But that fish, that fish must have been born decades before that day. The Bible didn't say God found a fish, does it? Does the Bible say God found a fish to swallow up Jonah? No. He says God prepared a fish. In eternity past, God already ordained that fish would be, that fish would, would come to life. That fish would grow. That fish would be in just the right place where God had placed the storm and that fish would swallow Jonah, which is not a natural act for a fish. Fish don't swallow people. Fish don't say, oh, look, there's a big, I'm going to swim over and I'm going to swallow this guy. No, God said, hey, get over there and do what I told you to do. Go swallow that guy. God had prepared that fish. Now look at Jonah chapter 2. We see here the repentance of Jonah. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. I bet he prayed. <laughs> I bet he started hollering in that fish's belly. Lord, get me out of here. Help me, Lord. And he prays and we see his prayer. And then look at verse 10 of chapter 2. And the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Now you know, the Bible doesn't tell us where that fish vomited Jonah, but I would bet you, now I'm on bet because betting's wrong, I would venture to guess it was right there in Tarshish, where he, or right there in Joppa, where he got on board that ship. God brought him right back. Jonah said, bye, Lord. God said, no, 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 come here, Jonah. Brought him right back. The fish vomited him out on dry land. And then look at verse number three. Oh, I'm sorry, chapter three, verse one. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, the great city. And preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Had God's will changed? No, that. God's will hadn't changed. It was still God's will for Jonah to preach 
to Nineveh. Now, God could have found someone else to go and preach to Nineveh. And that's what Jonah was hoping. And God could have done that if he so desired. But it was his will that Jonah go and preach to Nineveh. And no matter what Jonah did, God's will was going to be done. And Jonah did go to Nineveh. And he did preach. And they did repent. And he wasn't happy. But the will of God was done. And through all of that, God was not finished with Jonah. And God brought Jonah to the place where he did the will of God. Well, let's go to Judges chapter 13 together. Judges chapter 13. And let's begin in verse 24. Judges chapter 13, verse 24. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtol. Now, Samson differed from Jonah. Jonah attempted to reject the will of God because he hated the Ninevites. The will of God wanted Jonah to do something that was distasteful to him. So he didn't want to do that. But did it matter that Jonah wanted or didn't want to do that? Did it matter? No, because God's will shall be done. And it shall be done by he whom God ordains to do it. Samson, however, forsook the will of God because he loved the world and the things of the world. Samson, he just, he was there to judge the Philistines. He was there to, to, um, to set God's people free from the Philistines, but he liked them too much. He enjoyed being with them. He enjoyed being around them. He loved the world. Look at chapter 14, Judges chapter 14. Verse 3, then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. Samson, he, he, loved, he loved the Philistines. He loved the world. Samson was guilty of trying to be a friend to the Philistines. And so it is today with many of God's children. Many of God's people who claim to be saved, who claim to be children of God, they are trying to be friends to this world. Many like Jonah are hoping that God will forget about them and Get someone else to fulfill his will because they're just having too much fun playing in this world's playgrounds. I got too many things going on to be faithful to God. I got too many things going on to worry about things like church or, or things like that. I got, I got other things to do. And nobody's going to tell me how to live my life. Nobody's going to tell me what I can and can't do. You're right. Nobody, nobody is going to tell you. Nobody can tell you. 
But remember Jonah, will you? God has a way of getting your attention, doesn't he? If he has to have a fish swallow you and swim you back to where he wants you to be. But just like Jonah, God was not done with Samson yet. Look at Judges chapter 16. We're right there. Just turn over to chapter 16. And look at, let's begin at verse 16. Now here, here we see Samson with Delilah. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and, and I shall become weak and be like any other. Uh, verse 18, and when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the uh, lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lord of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand, and she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man, and he, she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Samson received the just rewards from this world. He loved the world. He wanted to be a friend of the world. He wanted all the allurements of the world. He wanted everything to do with the world. And you know what? He got it. He got it. They blinded him. They bound him in chains. And, and he grinded in their mills. But God was not done with Samson yet. Look at verse 22. How be it? the hair of his head began to grow again. I love that verse. I mean, you know, it, it, literally, it gives me chills. The hairs of his head began to grow because God was not done with him yet. God, God in a way, God said, I'm not done with you, Samson. You still have my will to do. And you are going to do my will, Samson. You are going to do it. Verses 23. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together uh, for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. For they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Uh, and, and let's save a little time. Let's go ahead and take a look at verse number 28. And Samson called upon the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, of the one with his right hand and of the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death, were more than they 
which he slew in his life. You see, God did not give up on Samson. God didn't say, okay, Samson, well, you don't want to play my game? Then all right, I'll find someone else. No, 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 no. His will doesn't change. His will is, what did we learn today? His will is what? His will is sovereign. It's supreme. It does not change. It was God's will for you and for me. Your, the calling and purpose in, his, in, in our lives was established when? Before the world began. God has a purpose for you. He has a will for you. And it shall be. And God had not given up on Samson yet. He was not through with him. It was God's will and Samson's purpose to judge the Philistines. And judge them he did. And we see that in Samson's death, the Bible says, he slew more than he did in his life. And the will of God was fulfilled in his life. But I have one more this morning. One more example to show you. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Now, I don't have time to, to, to go and to read all the scriptures I intended to read on this. But Genesis chapter 37, you can read it later, um, is the story of Joseph. And we know that Joseph was beloved of his father. And because he was beloved of his father, his brothers hated him. And God sent his brothers out to feed the flocks and They'd been gone a long time, so Jacob said, told Joseph, go out and see how your brothers are doing. And when he went, we know the story. They captured him, and they, they wanted to kill him, but um, Reuben talked them out of killing him, so they decided to sell him into slavery. And Joseph ended up in slavery, and, and we see that uh, Joseph endured decades of enslavement and suffering. He was a slave to Potiphar. And while he was in Potiphar's home, God blessed him. And, and Potiphar's uh, goods grew abundantly. But then Potiphar's wife, remember? Potiphar's wife accused him of wrongdoing and, and Joseph was cast into prison. Then once in the prison, God blessed him. And, and the, 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 the keeper of the prison prospered because of Joseph. And so much that Joseph, even though he was a prisoner, didn't, he was given freedom of the to go, come and go wherever he wanted within the prison. And we know there that he, he interpreted the dreams of the, of the, of the baker and the, and the cupbearer, and the, the dreams came true. And then one day we know that Pharaoh had a dream, which, he did, which no one could interpret, and then the cupbearer remembered Joseph in prison, and they sent for Joseph, and Joseph came and interpreted the Pharaoh's dream, and so Pharaoh made Joseph second in the kingdom, only to himself. And we see Joseph, after all that suffering, he was a slave to Potiphar, wrongly accused and imprisoned, forgotten and forsaken by all who knew him. But God was not finished with him yet. Through all this seeming despair, God blessed Joseph. He prospered him in the house of Potiphar. He prospered him in the prison. And ultimately, he rose to the throne of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. Joseph spent 11 years in Potiphar's house. He spent two years in prison, and he spent ten years at the side of Pharaoh. 
But in all of that time, God never forsook him. Because God was not finished with him yet. Now every one of us here today are like one of these examples. Give me your attention for a moment. I'll be done real real soon. Every one of us here this morning, we are like one of those three examples. Some are like Jonah. You know God's will for you, but you just won't do it. You won't put your own agenda aside and fulfill God's will and purpose for your life. You refuse to do it. And you're running from God. Some this morning are like Samson. You love this world and the pleasures of sin. And you won't forsake this to fulfill God's will and purpose for your life. And then some are like Joseph. You're facing trial after trial. And you are beginning to feel like God has forgotten all about you. I mean, you face, you get, you face trouble after trouble after trouble, and you, you tend to sit there and think, what are, what, what's going on? God, God has forgotten about me. You're beginning to feel like all hope is gone for any happiness in this life. But let, rem- let me remind you, God is not finished with you yet. Hang on. Just just hang in there because God is not finished with you yet. You know the Bible says that God loves that that God is 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 pleased at the death of his saints. Do you know God today would prefer to have you and I with him in his kingdom? But he's not finished with us. We have things to do. Isn't it time that we get serious and focus our hearts and minds on the Lord and get busy fulfilling his will for our lives? God is not finished with us. Jonah finally did God's will. But he was bitter and received no benefit from it. Samson too. He finally fulfilled God's will. But at what cost? But Joseph. For his faithfulness and his perseverance. Received the blessings of God. And he went to be with his father in heaven. Fulfilled. And happy. I mean, read, read Genesis. Joseph was a fulfilled man. Was Jonah fulfilled? No, Jonah was, Jonah was bitter. Was Samson fulfilled after he did the will of God? No, he was dead. But Joseph. Joseph received the blessings of God. You and I should fulfill God's will and purpose in our life. And let me change that to say you and I will fulfill 
God's will and purpose in our life. But the question is, what are we going to have to go through before we do it? But just remember this, you can't run and hide from God. God is always there. And he's not finished with you yet. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Father, I'm so thankful that despite our failings, despite our, our shortcomings, despite all these things, Lord, you still, you still have a purpose for us and you, you, you haven't given up on us, and you haven't forsaken us. And you're not finished with us yet. Help each of us, Lord, to remove those things in our lives that hinder us from, from serving you and from accomplishing the things in, in our life that you have for us to do. Whether it be to be a, a better husband or a better father, whether, whether it be to be uh, a more honest person or whether it be to, to uh, be dedicated in, in, in our life to the church and to the, to the work of God, to pray more, to, to, to witness more, to do all the things, Lord, that we know we need to do. Just help us, Lord. Help us. And we'll praise you and we'll thank you for these things. For we know, Lord, that you're not finished with us yet. So help us to fulfill your purpose for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org